Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Watchdogs. Welcome to another edition of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. I believe this is episode 16 or 17. I'm getting kind of lost in which episode it is as we continue to build um, content here. If you haven't heard all of the podcast, go back and you can listen to them on whatever podcast outlet is your preference. But also, there is a lot of podcasts that are only on Patreon. So if you want to get all of the North American Waterfowler podcast content you need to go to patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting over there i've got tons of content that i've been housing for years and years and years and once a month i am selecting at random a patreon member to come on and be on this podcast with me as you saw i had kenny bigno last week from louisiana and man what a guest he was so if you want a chance to be on the podcast with me where you can just talk about all the passions of hunting and fishing Go on in your life, patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. So I think this is episode is going to be a little bit shorter. Um, here's what I've got. I'm going to tell you about snow goose hunting trip that I went on with the golden boy. We are going to have a segment, a new segment that's going to be once a week called Woody's top five, where Robert from um, the Tim Cochran podcast episode I had. We're going to have Robert back on here and he's going to be doing a top five lists, which is going to be fantastic. I'm so excited about bringing this new segment to you called Woody's top five. We're going to have that here in a second, but let me get you caught up on my last waterfowl hunting weekend of the entire year. So my buddy, golden boy, Aiden, he is a habitat specialist at one of our 
um, Department of Wildlife and Parks complexes. And he's he's got his biology degree. He's a habitat specialist there. And he has been snow goose hunting the past three or four weekends, and they have not done very well. They've not done very well. And I've been trying to talk him into trying to actually hunt the marsh. Now, this is a big marsh. And so those of you that are already, your uh, feathers are getting a little bit ruffled that we might be hunting the marsh, we might be hunting the roost. Golden Boy's there every day. He sees this marsh. He knows how it works. He knows where the birds are. It's a big marsh. And it's not affecting the roost. All right. He's there every day. He sees them. He knows. So the plan was that there had been for probably two weeks, there had been a bunch of snow geese on this pool right up against this dike. And even birds sitting on the dike, which they call the infirmary. And I will talk about that in our um, comment of the week segment, which is really the bulk the main part of this podcast. But the idea is that we were going to slip in there with just a hundred or so socks and put the socks right there up against the dike and lay on the dike and hope that we could get some shooting that way. That was the plan. Well, it just so happened that the numbers were down the two days that we tried this, but I had something just fantastically <laughs> unique take place. So we said it was golden boy, his dog, Stella, myself and Georgie. And we were sitting there side by side. We had our, we had our blinds set up. There was probably five to 10,000 snow geese, um, probably a thousand yards out in the middle of the pool. And so we were laying on the side of the dike and we had decoys on the dike and then in front of us and from our right, which was Aiden's side. He's like, here comes one here. Here comes one. It's coming right in. I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you take it. This one's all yours. So I look to the right and there is this snow goose just floating in. But instead of landing in front of us in the decoys in front, it actually cut behind us and, and landed, was trying to land in the decoys um, behind us on the dike. And so I would have taken this thing coming straight in, but I had Aiden and Stella right in the way. So I had to let this thing clear Aiden and Stella. Now, as it, as it came in to land, I ro rose up, turned around because now it was behind us and I, I drew the bead down on this snow goose and I'm telling you guys, this thing was four yards away and I put the bead on it and I just couldn't bring myself to shoot. It was so, I've never had, I've never pulled up on anything quite this close before. It was just so close that I'm like, I, I just didn't feel like I could even shoot it at that, at that distance. So it floated by us at four yards and then landed about 10 yards and the decoys kind of back to my right. I stood up, Georgie jumped out of her um, in, in Visidog blind and I told her, wait, sit, sit. And that thing was just standing in the decoys 10 yards from me. I walked towards it, wouldn't flush. Finally it flushed and I let it get out there and I shot it at about, I don't know, 10, 12 yards. And we did shoot one other one in about five minutes after that, these four floated over. But this one event, having this snow goose that close, and it was, it made the whole, it made the whole trip. I stayed with Aiden for a night and, oh gosh, I've got a story about that too. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, um, I stayed with Aiden that night. We tried the next day. We didn't get even, we got like one shot 
And the day after I left, the thousands and thousands of snow geese were back. This place had been holding like a hundred thousand. And just for whatever reason, when I was there that day, um, it just, the birds weren't there. But here, okay, here's the story. This is really embarrassing. Um, Georgie has this issue, my, my black lab from Flatlander Kennels. Georgie has this issue where at night, when she gets into a really, really deep sleep, she can, um, urine seeps out. And she's not actually peeing, but it's like that little muscle that regulates urine opens up a little bit and, and it comes out. And so she's on this medication called Proin. And this medication takes care of that problem. So all we have to do is at her second feeding, we give her this little pill of Proin and the, it just doesn't happen. It takes care of it. It's a little bit of a pain in the butt because these dogs are not so, – this is normally an old dog issue, not a young dog issue. Georgie turns, turns four – on Mother's Day. So this is normally not a young dog issue, but she has it. Well, every now and then I forget to give her this pill and Georgie sleeps with my daughter, Penelope. And so if I forget to give Georgie this pill, she sleeps with Penelope in Penelope's bed and Penelope will wake up with, with uh, Georgie urine saturating her bed. <laughs> I laugh, but, and so I'll get up in the morning and Penny Penelope will be all angry at me. And it's like, did you give her a pill? Oh man, I forgot. I had to get up in the middle of the night. I had to change the sheets. It's like a big deal. And I've really been annoyed with myself about this. So I told, I told Penelope, I said, from now on, if it happens, I give her $5 because it's like, it happened about three times where I just forget to give her the pill. I don't know what the deal was, why I was forgetting. And poor little Penelope would wake up in a sea of dog urine. <laughs> so I have had to give her $5 once. Uh when I made the rule, I gave her $5 and I'm like, okay, from now on, if I forget and this happens, I'll pay you money. And surprise, surprise, since I started that deal, I have not forgot one time, but at golden boy's house, I actually did give her the pill, but it was at two o'clock. And I think I forgot to put her out to go to the bathroom right at the end of the night. And I was sleeping on golden boy's couch and it happened. And Georgie was at the bottom of the couch with me and man, I'm telling you, shit, so much leaked out. I woke up and the sheet I was laying on was, was all soaked. My underwear was soaked, or not my underwear, but my pants. I, I was wearing like um, pants that you wear, your base layer pants. Those were all soaked. The cushions were all soaked. And all night long, I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to tell Golden Boy this? And in the middle of the night, in my stupor, I was thinking, well, maybe... Maybe if it drives by morning, I just not tell him and he won't know. And I woke up in the morning and still it wasn't that wet and mostly dried, but I'm like, I cannot lie about this and just not tell him because a, that's really gross to have his couch, have dog peel over his couch. That's disgusting. And B, if, all of a sudden he figures it out and I have lied to him. Well, that's not good. This is like one of my best buddies. I don't, I don't want to, you know, that's not going to work. So we were getting ready for it. And I'm like, uh, Aiden, um, uh, here's what happened last night. And I, he was so gracious about it. And I told him, I said, listen, if I will buy you a new couch, if you want one. And and he's like, no, 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 it'll be fine. I was like, well, listen, if after a while it smells like dog urine, please tell me I'll buy you a new couch. But it was really, really embarrassing 
It was really embarrassing. So there's my confessional. I, I contemplated all night. I tossed and turned about whether I was going to try to hide this or not. And thankfully I did not because that's not the type of person I want to be. But it was really, really embarrassing event. So anyway, we're going to get on to Woody's top five. And then after Woody's top five, we're going to go into the comment of the week, which is what I really want to talk about today. So here we go. First ever edition of Woody's top five. Robert, you there? Hey, hey yeah, yeah, look at that. <laughs> I'll be dang. Hey, yeah, it's good to see you again, man. Okay, well, I, I'm, um, not, I'm not going to lie. I was, well, yeah, I'm, I was a little shocked when you contacted me about coming on the show, but boy, it's an honor. I'll tell you what, it's an honor. Well, I'll tell you what did it. Uh, the moment you said the limb, moon, the Pentecostal ladies, I said, that guy's coming back on. <laughs> That one always rings pretty good with the with the crowd when I tell that one. <laughs> I, can't, uh, I can't stop laughing day after day about the thought of Lem mooning the Pentecostal ladies somehow while trying to re recover a sunk boat. I wish I could say that was the worst thing old Lem ever did, but that's probably just about middle of the road for him. <laughs> so my understanding is, is you've got some top fives you've been working on, some top five lists. I have. I, like I, I've spent a lot of time thinking over it, and I've talked to some of my buddies in the hunting world, and I've come up with some things I think are valuable to share with the waterfowl community. But now I'd, I'd like to say I've had a little trouble with it becoming this, you know, Internet personality that, that I, I, well, I got some, I got some, well, a little trouble in, communication here recently on some of my videos and I I started getting messages that, well Elliot they were just downright dirty people dirty writing messages? me wanting me to record myself doing things that well Lord I didn't even heard half of them <laughs> so I did a little oh, investigating it turns out and everybody that's watching this listen they probably know what my name is but I ain't gonna say it out loud anymore they have <laughs> He's a fella that's a, I don't want to, I hate to say it out loud, he does them pornographic adult films, and he's got the same blasted name as me. So I'm, I've been getting emails, and, well, I just decided to, to scrap it. I know it's my given name. It's probably just one he picked out of nowhere, but I'm just going to, we're going to go with Woody. I think that's more appropriate, and maybe that way, if you just call me Woody and don't refer to me by my real name no more, maybe I'll quit getting see sought out by these degenerates. So let me get this straight. You've been receiving instant messages online of people giving you requests because they think you're an adult film star. <laughs> I, if they've ever watched any of my videos, I don't know how they can make that mistake, but yeah, they sure have. I... I'm serious. Some of them things they've been asking me to do, I'd probably have to see a doctor afterwards. <laughs> wow. Well, I'd rather, I think we need to switch the subject because uh, I don't think any of us need those kind of images in our mind, Robert. <laughs> the, the, the problem's been trying to convince my wife, Larnetta, that I, that I ain't actually been making them kind of videos. <laughs> You've been having some trouble at home about it, huh? Oh, Lord have mercy. Yeah. Whew, okay. Whew. Well... Well, uh, my understanding is you've got some top five lists that you'd like to share with us. Yeah, Do you have yeah. a special one 
I want to. I want to start one off here. Um, my buddy Lim Parsons and I, we've been hunting a long time, and over the years we've took a lot of new hunters with us. And I know you've done kind of the same thing. You you got the golden boy go started off in hunting and kind of taught him everything, and so we've took a lot of newbies to the duck blind over the years. But <laughs> there's a lot of times when them newbies don't exactly understand what's going on, and sometimes they end up pulling the trigger on something they ain't supposed to. And so I, I, the first list I got here is the top five bird species that are commonly mistakenly killed by newbie hunters. So I'll just kick it off here with number five. And now this one I think is actually legal in some places, but Lord have mercy, I don't know why anybody want to shoot one. I certainly don't think they'd want to eat one. And that's a snake neck cormorant. Those things are so ugly and oily, but... Every once in a while, I see somebody post a pile picture with four or five cormorants in it. I tell you what, I don't understand it. I don't. I wouldn't touch one if it fell in my boat. <sighs> All right, number four. <laughs> now, a few years back, there's an old boy that we had, had taken hunting a couple of times that went to our church. And he called me up and said, "Hey, Robert, would you would you like some snow geese? I I got into a whole mess of snow geese." I said, yeah, I'd eat a few of them. Just bring them by. He come by the house. And he said, man, you can't believe this. That right, I was right behind the Walmart store out in that, that wheat field out there. He said, they came in all day long. He said, I killed 37 of them. I looked in the back of his truck. Elliot, he had 37 seagulls in the back of his truck that he'd shot in that wheat field. <laughs> and come to find out, that ain't the only feller I've ever heard of that's done it. But that's the only one that, well, he killed more than just about any I've ever known of. I told him I thought I was pretty good on snow geese that day, but the seagull ends up getting shot every once in a while. Fellers thinking, I guess, they're a snow goose or some other kind of bird. Anyway, number three. Number three is the green heron. I I have personally witnessed at least three different people shoot a green heron before if you're if you're not familiar with the green heron, they're about the size of a duck, and they, they kind of look like a duck. And the, the thing is, they sit so tight on the bank, and they flush that well, a lot of fellers get all flustered and excited. And that green heron takes off flying, and they just they can't help but take a shot at them, I guess. Now I don't know what y'all call them out there. We call them mud hens, and maybe that leads to some of it that people think it's a duck. But poor little green herons, they're just a cute little thing, but. I've I've seen several of them get blasted. Um, now speaking of herons, we don't have out here in these parts. We don't have them uh, sandhill crane looking things, but what we do have is a lot of great blue herons. Now I don't know if you've ever seen somebody shoot a great blue heron or not, but I've I've uh, seen more than one picture on some of them uh, waterfowl websites of guys bragging about their ribeye of the sky they've harvested. I don't know that I could recognize a sandhill crane real well, but I can definitely recognize a great blue heron when I see one. I've seen some guys showing them things off. And I don't know if I'd call them a ribeye of the sky or not, but based on what blue herons eat, I'd say they're probably more like the filet fish of the sky because <laughs> they eat on them crawdads and bluegills and such. All right, that takes us to number one. Now, 
Number one on the, the list here of, of birds that get shot by newbie hunters, I think, and you, you can probably back me up on this one for sure, and that's the lowly little grebe. Now, how many times have you seen a hunter get all excited because there's a duck swimming in the decoys and empty their gun trying to shoot that poor little grebe? Now, the, the only thing a grebe's got going for him is that most of his body's down underneath the water, and somehow when that gun goes off, they can duck pretty quick. And so usually they don't get shot, but occasionally I see somebody post a picture of those. Boy, they're proud. They think that they got them some kind of teal or something, but just a little old grebe. I think somebody shot one in one of your videos, didn't they? Didn't Danny yeah, Boy actually, shoot one one they time? They did. It's on Patreon. <laughs> I won't say who it was. I did post it on Patreon. I've seen a group shot. Deep in the archives. I ain't going to lie. I think I shot a few rounds at one one time years ago myself. Now, you know, I, I got, hang on a second. I got an honorable mention that I want to throw in here because I feel like, although this one is legally huntable in most places, I might I I think I'd call it a mistake most of the time. So it's known by many names. I'm gonna list a few of them here: the Rhodesian red eye, the El Diablo del Negro, the white beaked widgeon, the charcoal chicken, the Bayou black duck, the flappy footed freak with a beak, and yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about here. It's it's old Matt out there at High Prairie Sportsman's favorite. It's the coot. <laughs> North American coot. Brother, I, I know these hundreds of them get shot every year. and I think most guys, if they know what they're doing, it's just because they're bored to tears. Because I, I know you ate one of them one time. I remember I remember on yeah, one of the... we had a taste test. Yeah. Between a uh, coot and a teal. But right. I, I've never shot a coot. And uh, I've, I've been pretty hungry in my life. And I would eat one if I had to. But I ain't never been that hungry like I yet. I've never heard the uh, flappy-footed uh, freak with the beak. I've never <laughs> heard that. I did a little deep dive on the internet just to see what all people referred to them as. That's just the the decent ones. There's some I couldn't put on there. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Would you be willing to come back again sometime? And, and Why, sure. Anytime. Reason? Yeah, anytime. I got lots of these written down on the now, a lot of them I wrote down when I was sitting doing some some uh, meditation and, and thinking so they're well, they're on pieces of toilet paper right now but i can get them transferred over to something more permanent and hang on to them you give me a holler anytime i'll be glad to share them with you all right well thank you for joining us uh, this is a ben woody's top five well hope that you enjoyed that i know that woody cracks me up and man, I, I reach out to me. And let me know if you like those segments. Are you like, do you, did you like that? Would you like to hear more Woody? Cause I, I certainly think that, um, this is going to be a great segment to bring to you guys. I'm trying really hard to make this podcast different, a little unique than some of the other ones. So, um, this would be a good time guys. Give me that five-star rating. Leave a little comment in there. It really helps me out to see what your feedback is and how, you are thinking. So we're going to jump to a quick break real quick, and then we'll be right back with the comment of the week. Okay, so here we go. I'm turning the comment of the week into this week's um, whole content, because I think this is worthy of discussion. 
And so, like I said, this isn't going to be the longest podcast, but I do want to talk about this. So let's go ahead and jump into comment of the week. It's time for comment of the week. All right. Now, this comment of the week is related to snow goose hunting. And it's something that, that Aiden and I talked about quite a bit when during the snow goose hunt. So let me, let me read this. Zach Hines says, now this com- this comment comes from a snow goose hunt video that I released recently on, on YouTube. It says, great hunt, but I got one question. Where are the tube extensions? Tube extensions allow you to have, I'm not sure because I've never used one. So when you're waterfowl hunting, the laws is you can only have three shells. You have to have a plug in because your gun can only hold three. But your gun's actually capable of holding five. So if you take the plug out, you can actually hold five. But if you put a tube extension on... I'm not even sure how many they hold, but they hold way more. Seven, nine, eleven. I'm not sure. Let me let me look up real quick. Let me look this up. So with a tube extension, you can hold anywhere between I'm seeing up to ten shells. So people that go snow goose hunting, there's no laws, no regulations on it, and they can put a tube extension in there and they can just lay into snow geese and just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. So um, I don't I'll snow goose hunt enough to use them. And so I don't have one. I'm, I don't know anything about it. But Aiden, like I said, works out at this Department of Wildlife and Parks area. And he and his boss were in their office. And one morning, every five minutes, five to ten minutes, they were hearing, like, so many shots go off. Just, I mean, 50, sh- 50 shots at a time. Now, they have a beat on the area, and they kind of know how the snow geese act. So they were curious as to how in the world these guys could be doing so well um, and to be getting so many shots every five to 10 minutes. So they got in the truck and they drove over um, because these guys were hunting on private land, but it was really close to the marsh, public marsh. And, and that was perfectly legal and everything. And they sat in the road and they just watched a little bit. And what they found was happening was this was a guide service, an outfitter, and they had about eight guys out there. And every single time snow geese got within 80 to 100 yards, they were unleashing on them. I mean, they were shooting just ridiculously far shots. And so every time snow geese would get in that 80, 90 yard range, these guys would just unload. And they would all shoot, you know, eight guys shooting. I don't know if they had extenders or not, but eight guys shooting five to 10 rounds each. And a bird or two would float down out of the sky. And they ended up, this group ended up with like 32 birds or something. But they were just extending their range beyond belief. And what Aiden noticed is that after that day, the number of wounded snow geese around the marsh dramatically increased. In fact, where we had set up on that dike I was talking about, they started calling that the infirmary because all of these wounded geese would sit around up on this dike. And so as a direct result of these guys shooting with so many people at such far distances, now there are snow geese scattered all over the marsh. And they, they absolutely noticed there's always wounded snow geese during snow goose season. So that's nothing that's that uncommon. But they noticed from this point on, the number just dramatically increased. 
So that's why what I want to pose to you guys and I want you guys to think about is we had talked a few episodes ago about the value of the life of the game that we that we seek and um, what is their value and and how does that thought of their value change your ethics and how you go about your business. Now, we have known for a long time that snow geese are drastically overpopulated and to the point where they are um, doing permanent damage to some of the tundra areas clear up by the Arctic Circle. And so this is why we have a snow goose um, conservation season is because they want more snow geese killed. And so the question that I want to ponder and think about is because we need these numbers lowered, is it okay then to do what these outfitters were doing? Aiden has been doing some snow goose hunting, as I said, and many of the birds, well, not many, some of the birds that he has shot and cleaned have gangrene from being shot and wounded. We've got that dike where they're calling the infirmary where all these wounded snow geese are up against the dike, sitting on the dike. And so I'm not 100% I know the answer to this. I know it makes me feel bad to think about a snow goose being wounded, taking days and days and days and days and days and having to get gangrene in order to slowly die. I know how I feel about that. It makes me feel terrible to think of a bird suffering to that level. So is that okay? Knowing that the population needs to be dropped, knowing that this season of snow goose hunting specifically is for reducing the number of snow geese, does that equal it's okay to hunt in a way that you know is leaving cripples all over the place? And I'm not sure, I'm not sure the answer to the question, but it's definitely a topic I think worth at least thinking through. Um, and I think the variables that, that would would depend to me is how bad is the problem, the over the snow goose overpopulation problem. They have been predicting a massive population crash, gosh, since the 80s. I mean, what is the current situation of it? I have not heard any updates as to the possibilities of a massive snow goose population crash. Personally, the way I look at things, if this were Canada geese, specks, mallards, it's not okay. It's not acceptable. Uh, the value of the life of a mallard is more than taking 80-yard shots with extended chokes and leaving a place so full of wounded birds that the manager and the habitat specialists are referring to it as the infirmary. But what about snow geese? When there's a population that is so overblown that they have been predicting a population crash to the point where they open up a special season just to try to have more of them killed, then does it make it ethically okay to have eight guys shooting six to ten shells each at birds at... 80 to 100 yards and literally scattering snow geese all over a marsh where people that are killing them uh, see that multiple birds have gangrene. I don't know. I don't know. 
But it's certainly just something to think about. So give some thought to that. I would love to hear your opinions on this. You can find me on Instagram at Freelance Duck Hunting. Facebook, you can message me. You can join patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting and, and talk about it there as well. So that's all I have today. I know this was a little shorter podcast, but I appreciate everyone that's here listening and enjoying this content. Don't forget, come join us at Patreon. Don't forget, please give me a review. That would really, really help. Until next time, this has been another episode of the North American Waterfall.